Welcome, everyone. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyone a little bit sick? A lot of bit sick. <laughs> um, so uh, it's, it's really lovely to be up here at the start of Advent. Um, I love the church calendar, even when I don't always, uh, when I'm not always as intentional as I want to be in living into it, I really love the church calendar. And I love that um, it's seasonal and rhythmic in the same way that um, it reflects and sort of helps to mirror some of the things that are going on in the natural world. We have rhythms and seasons. And I love that we come together um, to start sitting and waiting and wait with intentionality um, for the, uh, the arrival of, of Christ. So, you know, one, th one reason <clears throat> I think I have some trouble sometimes with Advent, especially lately, is because December is not exactly a month that's um, set aside for sort of intentional repose and reflection. <laughs> um, I think that, um, you know, when I started getting into this lifestyle of, of teaching, I'd forgotten what it was like to be a student, and I thought, wow, December really is going to be um, a very full month, and so how do we think about how to manage that well? Um, and I realized I kind of, do you ever get tired of trying to manage things well? Um, I find them to be, sometimes it's almost as exhausting as just the things themselves. Um, so I, I shared this in communion on Monday, and I said, how's reading week? And I said, did you get the right balance of rest and productivity? And everyone's like, yeah, ha, ha. And, and I realized that's kind of the standard thing of, did you get some rest, but did you get some work done? And do you feel good about how you balanced it all? And, you know, you're trying to kind of assess that. And then we land here, uh, the beginning of December almost, with the final push in sight. Last couple weeks of classes, last big assignments, um, students, staff, and faculty alike are facing um, this kind of race to the finish um, in the midst of when we're supposed to be um, looking expectantly and with quieted hearts for God's arrival. Um, and it can feel like yet another burden, yet another thing that we're not doing well. Um, and so as I thought about, as I was asked to share today, and I thought about what scriptures I wanted to bring in this season of, you know, gearing up for the final push towards finals. And so I had some ones that popped to mind, but sometimes you you know, you think, oh, maybe I should say this encouraging word, but I'm not sure I really want to. I remember I was having lunch with a friend at a Chinese restaurant. We were talking about everything that was going on, all, all the busyness, and, and I opened up my fortune cookie, and it said, you can get it all done if you show initiative. And I was like, you know, I'm just really not in the mood to be bossed around by snack food. <laughs> that is not, like, that is not what I need today. Um, um, and, but, you know, it's interesting, like, I... I started to look at some of the verses that kind of um, would, would you think would be really appropriate for a season when we're all really trying to rally towards the end. We're, we're feeling exhausted, and I, I looked at some of the, the ones that have always popped to my mind, you know, when I'm feeling like I need God to give me more strength. Uh, we've got Hebrews 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run the race with perseverance. Uh, the race that is set before us. Okay, there's, we're going to run the race with perseverance. Um, my mind and my body grow weak, but God is my strength. He is all I ever need. Psalm 73. Um, youth will be faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Isaiah 40. Um, and then the ever popular, at least in my mind, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in Philippians 4. Um, and 
similar to, to how it was that fortune cookie, I just, number one, I thought maybe these were a bit too on the nose for a, a, you know, a sermon right here at the end of the semester, but sometimes I come to these verses and I, I just don't want to be bossed around by them. And um, I realized, like I, um, I realized that before all the biblical professors start saying, note to self, speak to her about authority of scripture. <laughs> um, but I realized that, you know, the point is not um, that we get bossed around by these scriptures. If, if I'm feeling that way, I need to think through what else is happening. Um, and it occurred to me that maybe there's another word that needs to go either in tandem with those words or just be foremost in our mind. Um, but it's hard for us to it's hard for us to hear a word that acknowledges um, the fact that we are limited creatures. Um, when Dr. Christine Pohl was writing her work on hospitality, she visited with Edith Schaefer, who one of the uh, couple that founded Labrie Fellowship. And um, Edith, she had some discussions with Edith, and Edith pointed her to a, a place in one of her books where she said, it's essential to remember that it is not sinful to be finite. And I thought, wow, that's, that is really, um, that was really a powerful word for me. Because I think we, we know in our minds like we know, right, that it's not sinful to be finite. We know we're not God and we rely on God for all these things, but oftentimes at some different level, we think, you know, if I just was more spiritual, I'd be getting it all done. Um, we're used to hearing that some ways from culture. You know, if you ever read about like how do you, the whole idea of hacking now, how do you life hack? How do you um, hack your schedule? How do you hack so you can have less sleep, have more energy, get more things done? Um, what are five tasks you can do in the car without getting arrested or wrecking it? You know, what are, <laughs> um, you know, well, I look through all those things sometimes and they say to be really productive, how do you hack into this? And they say, well, you should delegate. That's a really big one, delegate. Um, but that's hard because then you're acknowledging your own finitude and limitedness at the expense of someone else's. Um, and so we really struggle to know how to figure out, not just how to get more things done, that's what we always hear, get more done, get more done. Here, this article will tell you how. And I think oftentimes in the, in the church, we, we kind of take it and baptize it in a way. It's like if I, we read these verses and we think, you know, if I were more faithful, I would get it all done. Um, if I had a better prayer life, if I were more in touch with God, um, you know, these hymns we sang, which I think are so fabulous, this idea of give me grace to trust you more. Um, and I believe that. I want to receive it. But I think sometimes I receive it the wrong way. Um, we, um, we get this idea that if we're not getting everything done or we're feeling stressed or exhausted, that we're just not relying on God enough. And we don't know what that means because we feel like we're, it's one more thing that we're not doing well. It's one more thing we're not doing well. Um, it's not sinful to be finite. Um, take a minute and think about that. We are created as finite creatures, limited in our nature. Um, and I think sometimes we think we'll just become more and more sanctified, we become more and more you know, close to God, and that will be taken away. And um, we really set ourselves up um, for a big problem there when we do that. We can end up feeling not just guilty if we don't get things done, but we end up feeling ashamed. Because sin, it's not just like, oh, you're not organized, organized enough to get ready, not to get everything done, but you're not holy enough. 
not in touch enough with God. You haven't surrendered yourself enough to God to get everything done. Um, our finitude is something that defines us at our core. It's part of how God created us to be. And so when we are facing this idea of, of feeling exhausted and not knowing how to, how to approach this, like we want to go to God, we want to go to the scriptures and feel comforted, encouraged, and we oftentimes go to the ones that seem like the encouraging verses, but I think sometimes what we need to do is go to the verses that, um, where God is caring for us like the children that he, he's created us to be. Um, I really like these verses at the end of um, Matthew 11. You know, some of those verses I've grown up with my whole life, like I've heard these verses so many times. Um, but they really, if you really think about, as we're sitting in our study carol, or as we're trying to balance home and work and studies, think about God sitting right there and him saying, hey, John Marie, come here, if, if, if you who are weary, Z, Jessica, come to me. Um, you're tired and you are caring so much. Um, I'll give you rest. Now, we don't think we always deserve rest. Um, when we, in the readings about Sabbath, sometimes people say that we, we think we have to earn rest. If we haven't done enough, we don't get the rest. You know, you, you work this hard, you can fall asleep exhausted, you know, for six hours here. Um, the rest is a gift that God gives us. It's what we begin the week with. It's how we're supposed to move into work, move into ministry, move into life. Um, God will give us rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Because oftentimes we're dealing with this physical exhaustion, but what we're really looking at um, is an exhaustion in our souls. Because we can deal with physical exhaustion to a point. We can say, okay, I'm really working hard. I've got to pull this one all-nighter, but I can keep going on. I can keep going. It's like when you have a baby and you're sleeping like an hour a night for a year, you're just worn out, but you realize that eventually it's gonna get better. And so you think I can kind of push through. But when we're living in a constant state of overwork and overcommitment and expectations on ourselves and never being enough, never doing enough, um, our souls themselves get exhausted and we have nothing to draw from. We can't even go to God and say, please help refresh me, because all we feel like, we feel like if we ask him for refreshment and help, he'll say, well, have you looked at these verses up here about, you know, you can do all things through me, because if you think about that one for a while, I think you'll, you know, you'll be able to pull it all off. <laughs> and God gives us those verses, but maybe not for that moment. Maybe what we need to hear is that he gives us rest, and he helps us get into a yoke. I love the idea of being yoked with God and yoked with one another. Um, we are yoke fellows. We work in tandem. We pull together. Um, and the idea that his yoke is easy and our, his burden that he gives us is light. Um, the word easy is, kind of gives one connotation, but what's interesting is that the Greek word for this is very often translated as kind. Um, in the fruit of the Spirit, it says the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And this idea of kindness, um, it's not a word I think about very much. We think, oh, someone's kindly old grandmother, or it's, a, it's an adjective that kind of gets used in different ways. But when you really think about what kindness means, it, it's translated oftentimes as goodness, but it's a goodness that's directed towards something. 
with a heart of compassion. It's a sense of goodness that wants the best for the other, um, not even in a striving way, but in a caring way. Um, and we can be kind to one another, but we can also be kind to ourselves. Um, it's hard to know sometimes how to be kind to ourselves. We, um, we think we need to become more sanctified, which we do. We think we need to be more productive, which is all right. But at what point did we um, lose the message that we um, can be kind to one another and to ourselves? It can be the hardest thing to do. I listened to a podcast yesterday, and the woman talked about welcoming compassion into her life, and she said, I... Uh, I, my head knows the need for you, but I am ashamed when I ask for it. And that really struck me. I'm ashamed when I ask for compassion or mercy or understanding. And I think a really competent person, a competent Christian would not need these things. I mean, yeah, they kind of need them in some abstract way because we're all sinful, but really, you know, we should be past that now. And, um, and this verse just reminds us that the yoke and the burden that God gives us is kind. Um, I remember during my doctoral dissertation defense, my advisor was telling me how it was going to go when we were in there, and I said, what are these folks going to be like? I had this vision of people kind of yelling at me in the spotlights and like an in you know, interrogation. And he said, well, they're going to be thorough, um, um, you know, detailed, kind but not soft. And that was interesting because he, he said they're not going to, you know, let you just sail through this, but they're also not going to go in being mean. They're not going to look for ways to, to ruin you. They're going to be kind um, and thorough. And the idea of pairing those together was really significant for me, that kindness doesn't mean um, laziness or softness, but it means a loving regard for, for our finitude, um, for our limitedness. Um, you know, in the the second, book of, the second chapter of the book of Mark, um, the, the man comes to Jesus, he's leprous, and he says, teacher, if you want to, you can make me clean. Well, that's a really heartfelt cry. Do you ever feel like you're going to God and saying, God, if you want to, you know, you could help me do this. You could help me write this paper. You could help me get enough sleep. Um, you could help me get all my tasks done. And it says that Jesus turned to him and he said it was filled with compassion. And he said, I want to be clean. And the word, uh, the phrase filled with compassion, the Greek word for compassion has this idea of guts. It's like his guts turned over. It was sort of this gut-wrenching, you know, his stomach, his insides hurt for someone who was in that much distress that he would say, if you want to, you can help me. And we realize that compassion is not something that is abstract. Um, kindness is not something that only exists as some word in the fruit of the Spirit. Um, our God embodies compassion. And the spirit is a spirit of kindness. And so I don't have a lot of practical advice for what that means for the next few weeks for you or for me, um, but it's a word I really want us to dwell in. And um, we can do our best, but man, let's be kind. Let's be kind to one another. Let's be kind to ourselves. Um, and really um, understand that, that that our limits are not sinful. Um, they're, they're from God. And so, Lord, we, um, we're deeply, deeply grateful that you, um, you've created us the way you have and that um, we can choose to learn to live in that in ways that reflect the goodness of who you are.
Lord, you embody compassion. compassion. Lord, you are, you are kindness. Um, Lord, help us to work our way, um, work out our own salvation and, and task with fear and trembling, but Lord, not fear and trembling because you're not kind. Um, Lord, please help us for the next few weeks um, and help us to come out on the other side of it spiritually um, stronger, contented, more assured of your graciousness and the fact that you, um, your yoke is kind and we can trust in it. Amen.